This episode of Sinclair Wants to Help, a supernatural self-help podcast, features references to historical tragedy and terroristic acts. Listener discretion is advised. Let's see. Bill summons rejection letter from Princeton. Seriously, why do so many people send pennies? Ah! This looks like a good one. Nice and personal. My dearest Deborah, I struggle to find the words to tell you this, my loving grandmother. But I could not bear to preach this news over the phone. The night before I wrote this, your grandmother passed in her sleep. I know this news comes as a shock to you, as it did to all of us. The whole family is still reeling from this, and we hope you'll come back home should you feel greatly distressed. Please, though, try to rest easy and take solace in the fact that her new license won't arrive for another week, and since she took the test in her sleep, she may forget about it anyways. Hey, Sterling, uh, just before you head out on your next run, I just found... Sterling Legswitch quickly hid the letter under the table, led his pile of envelopes to fall to the floor. Sterling, I, I know you're not reading other people's mail. I'm sure you wouldn't be committing a felony in the break room. Where anyone including me, your direct supervisor, could easily watch you and be forced to inform the authorities. What? No, no, this is just, uh, poetry I'm editing. It's a haiku. Really? Well, read me one. Oh, wow. You wouldn't want to hear it. The middle line has eight syllables. Well, you're right. That does sound terrible. Oh yeah, it's uh, less Bosho and more Bosh no. Uh-huh. Well, I've got another poem here for you. Maybe this one's properly formatted. But do me a favor, and instead of revising it, you just deliver it. He walked out of the break room, leaving Sterling Lake Switch alone to gather his stack of mail from the ground. Sterling reordered his envelopes and put the letter away, then finished his bag of plain potato chips, and crumpled up its remains into a greasy hand. He then quickly took the letter back out, finished reading it, and returned it to the envelope, staining both with the oil of crispy vegetables. Sterling Lake Switch loved to read mail. To him, the drama of a personal letter was a greater investment than even the most epic novel or the most lavish film. But Sterling had outlived his family and had no friends or relations either distant or close enough to justify a correspondence. So, Sterling took the most logical option available to him and decided that he would become a postal carrier. That gave him the ability to easily collect new letters to read on a regular basis, but it came with the problem that 
most people don't like to have their mail read by others. Much less by those who are entrusted with delivering it. But Sterling was crafty and had a light touch, and would pursue the secret world of private lives with the intended receiver being none the wiser. Hey! Someone opened this envelope! And they got grease prints on it! Gotta go! Well, what he lacked in deft hands he made up for in sheer confidence. If a letter struck Sterling's interest, he would take a look and say it. Consequences be damned, even if the consequences damned him. Working a mail route is a tiring and tedious task, and it was even more so for those in Sterling's position. He and the rest of his kind had a great misfortune of residing in the year 1968, and as such had no way to fill the long hours of the trips. He lived in a time before the internet and cell phones, and he couldn't risk listening to the radio, lest the Archies come on again. Or worse, should the news come on. Hearing about a riot, assassination, or the mere utterance of the word Vietnam would suck away much of the joy he took from peeking into the lives of others. The only entertainment he could trust to escape the world around him were these letters. And the next one salaciously teased its ability to do so. Ooh, this is a hefty couple of pages. And watch this. Classified, stamped in red. Maybe you and I were meant to be. Should I light a candle and set the mood, or you just want to open on up? Sterling peeled open the envelope. This is going to be good. Hello, Sterling. I'm Sinclair. He immediately put down the letter. What the hell? Cautiously, he raised the letter back to his eyeline. Hello, Sterling. I'm Sinclair. Sorry to ruin the atmosphere. I know you like to be alone during your voyeurism. Now, I'm sure you have a lot of questions, like, Who am I? Why can you hear my voice? How are you paying so much attention to this letter without crashing your van? And honestly, each of these are very valid inquiries. But I think there's one that should be more on your mind ahead of any other. Why are you reading this? Well, of course, it's easy enough to answer that now. You're reading this because it's addressed to you. But... You had no way of knowing that before you opened the envelope. So why did you open this letter? Going beyond the scary label I put on there, reading other people's mail is still a pretty serious crime. I can imagine the charge gets quite a bit more serious when you're a mail carrier prying into the personal affairs of their delivery route. And look at yourself. Are you the kind of person who would risk prison time just because you're bored? Only sociopaths do that, and trust me, they find much more interesting ways to alleviate boredom than sneaking a peek at someone's tax return. No, Sterling, your psychosis is much more complicated. You, my friend, have an addiction. You are desperate for your vice. You're willing to give up your whole life just to get your next fix, and there's not a single exaggeration to that. You have a problem that could take someone to the ground effectively as any chemical or cocktail. 
You have a dependency on forbidden knowledge. It's gonna get you killed one day. But I don't want to see someone go without their vices. Life is hard enough. So if you dare to keep reading, I have a real doozy of a secret to share with you. But this isn't some silly gossip or shameful medical note. This will change the way you see the world. It's going to decide what kind of person you are. If you're not ready for that, then don't even put this letter away. Throw it out the window. Sterling held the letter away from himself and examined the open window of his van, feeling the strong glow of wind on his face. For a moment, he considered reaching out his hand, letting the pages of the letter be taken away by the flow of air. But before long, he brought the document back to his eye line. Hold it! Just call me Magellan, as I've got you circumnavigated! Alright, strap in, Sterling. This is pretty big stuff. I want you to get ready to take it all in. Are you ready? Here it comes. So guess what? Monsters are real. And I don't mean any metaphorical or philosophical or liturgical monsters. I mean the real deal. Midnight Double Features, produced by Carl Lamely, starring Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney Jr. Monsters. Vampires. Werewolves, zombies, phantoms, and specters, they're all as much a part of your world as McDonald's and traffic jams. And that doesn't even scratch the surface. There are creatures in this world that the human mind is incapable of understanding, and that are completely antithetical to the way you define life, and they pass you by every day without you even noticing, going about their interests and duties. How do I know? Oh, that's simple enough, Sterling. I'm one of the monsters. Though, I'm not as easy to explain as a vampire or the Loch Ness Monster. I'm quite a bit more complicated than that. I'm not an undead person or an ancient curse. Generally, I call myself a god, but I think that title still has too much haughty authority tied to it. I'm more like a recurring nightmare from your childhood or the feeling that the whole world can see through you. But even if I'm not really one of them, I still have to do business with them. You understand that, don't you, Sterling? Because you don't think you're one of them. You don't think you're a part of the human race, not anymore. You know their secrets, and how small they really are. How pointless all their problems are. You're more like me now, aren't you? And that's why I need you to run me a favor. You see, Sterling, I'm on a job right now. But I'm not really crazy about it, see? In a lot of ways, I kind of prefer that I didn't succeed. But there's a lot of money tied into it, and recreational cannabis doesn't pay for itself, so I'm gonna leave the final choice of what happens to you, so I can wash my hands of the whole thing. You see, Sterling, this letter is a bomb. Sterling's pupils shrank to pinpricks, and his eyelids peeled all the way back to his skull. Don't worry, you're fine. For now. The bomb is a target, and it won't go off until it reaches its end. Does that mean the recipient, or the last page? Good question. I'll tell you a bit about why I'm sending this letter bomb, but I don't want you to get too lost in the details, so I'm gonna keep out most of the specific stuff. Generally, monsters don't like most humans, and the humans they do like don't tend to stay human very long, 
that she accepts my drift. Otherwise, your oppressors, food, pests, or cheap labor. But if there's one thing they tend to dislike more than humans, it's each other. There's quite a lot of interspecies fighting, and it's been going on for a long time without many stopgaps for peace. They fight over food, land, TV broadcast rights, and all sorts of really silly things. And usually they do it right in the background of your species, battles and wars, so very few of you ever notice. Trust me, if you did, a lot of historical images would be hilarious. I still can't look at the crossing of the Delaware without cackling. But a new day is coming in Monsterland, Sterling. A day of peace and unity. You see, while the vampires and werewolves and lamias and harpies are fitting and fighting, there came a vessel of hope who saw a path to understanding with all of his fellow monsters. He has a way to bring all the monsters of every species together in cooperative harmony and usher in a new era of love and respect in the supernatural world. Really, he's a great guy, and I'm proud to call him a friend. He's doing fantastic work. It's too bad this letter's addressed to him. Now, I'm of the mind that if you can't make the same money in peace that you make during war, then you're just bad at business. Monsters are a lot like humans. And guess what? The ones with the dollars don't have any sense. So, they rely on this never-ending fighting to maintain their fortunes, and they're paying me to make sure it continues. And they're paying me a lot, like, a humiliating amount of money. An amount of money that if I didn't take, no one would ever do business with me again. I don't want to kill my friend, but I'm in a position where it's pretty hard for me to get out of doing it. So, Sterling, I'm handing you the choice between war and peace. Now, I know you live in 1968 and peace sounds real groovy and Walter Cronkite has actually just told everyone in the country who bothers to wear a shirt that the Vietnam War might actually be a bad thing, so you might be prone just to get rid of this letter and never look back. And you're allowed to do that. Like I said, I actually kind of hope you do. Before you take that course of action, there's a bit of information I want you to consider. Because the thing about peace is that most of the time, it doesn't mean peace for everyone. Now, my friend actually does like humans, and he isn't even interested in transforming any. He used to be human, so if it were up to him, he'd include you all in his kumbaya choir. In fact, I'm sure he's gonna try. That's just who he is. Lovely guy. But, no matter what he says, or how many monsters he's able to convince, there will always be enough who distrust humans or enjoy the taste of them too much for the idea of peace to ever be accepted. And if a unified front of monsters decides that they're done living in the background of the human world, well, things will end up changing pretty quickly. And you won't be on the winning end of it, Sterling. Oh, don't get me wrong, you'll put up a hell of a fight. Humanity might not have any special powers, but you've got numbers, a strong survival instinct, and a natural inclination towards violence, and that's a winning combination for any species. And you're incredible at war. 
Even right now, as your country is sending boys to do nothing but die in a jungle, you're so committed to causing pain that you've gone to war with Vietnam's trees. And nuclear weapons? Oh, those are amazing. I can't wait to see what happens when you get to use them again. But all the nukes in the world won't get rid of the monsters. Oh, you'll take some down. But plenty of the undead and supernatural creatures won't just survive after you've tried to end it all. They'll thrive. Ghosts and insect people will throw raves on night one, and nuclear winter is going to be a great period of economic development for the snow women of Japan. There'll be monsters around long after you're dead, Sterling. Both you and the human race. In a lot of ways, you're just a passing phase to something else. But does that mean you should give up? Does that mean you should throw this letter out the window and let the destruction come? Maybe you should. But I've never met too many humans who would accept that. I've known your species to hold on to its collective life like a rugby player who's just been tossed an infant. Genocides and plagues aren't enough to keep you down. Should creatures of the night be able to? I shouldn't think so. With this delivery, you have the chance to save the whole human race. Imagine that. Sterling Leg Switch. Humanity's champion. But you should think really hard about it. Because you won't be able to do it without paying a price. You see, Sterling, once you deliver this letter, it won't be long before it blows up. Meaning that it's going to have at least two victims. I told you your habit would get you killed one day. But is that such a bad thing? Think about it. Right now, you're living to read other people's mail. That's all. That's a nice little power trip for a couple of minutes. That pleasure only lasts so long. Not to mention that once you get caught, and you will be caught, well, that power won't be available anymore, will it? Who's smaller than a peeping Tom who's been caught in the act? Instead of living as a voyeur, you could take this as a great reason to die. Protecting the human race, that's a pretty great thing to do, even if the aftermath is a little messy. Here's your chance to do something great, something important. How many more chances are you going to get to do that? How often can you feel that powerful? Of course, I could be lying. I'm not above it. I could be telling you a couple of things to boost your ego and actually trick you into dooming humanity. I could just be trying to scare you into a tuck and roll so I can ransack your truck. Hell, your manager could have even hired me to write this letter and screw with your head, as he's sick of getting calls about your open mail on your route. You don't even know if I'm really the one who wrote this. I think, though, there's one sure way of finding out. Some of it, at least. This brings us back to you, Sterling, and your addiction. You read other people's mail, because you need to know things that you shouldn't. You want to peek into the lives of other people, to have insight that doesn't belong to you. And that's a very strong addiction, Sterling. Very hard to break and very difficult to satisfy when you've been around the block enough times. I wonder how many times you've been around that block. I wonder how much you need to know things. I'm sure you'll keep me updated. You should be just about to your destination if I've timed all this properly. 
everything is up to you now. Whether you live scraping for power, or die clutching it tightly with both arms. Whether you become a savior, or the subject of shunning. Only one way to tell if I'm lying or not. Only one way will tell you if monsters are real. Anyway, Sterling, I gotta get going. Andy's getting out of surgery, and I'm still trying to get him to do my portrait. Always happy to help. Sinclair. My timing is right, as Sterling can see. He had parked in front of the entrance of a hotel convention center. Quickly, he folded the letter and returned it to its envelope. He tossed the envelope out of the van and shifted his car into drive. He pulled forward quickly, driving off and leaving the letter sitting on the concrete in front of the convention hall. With long steps, Sterling walked back to the envelope. He picked it up off the ground and walked to the door. He stopped for a moment to examine the envelope one more time. He walked inside the building and navigated the halls and stairs and elevators until he reached his final destination. Delivery for you, sir. Sinclair Wants to Help, a Supernatural Self-Help Podcast, is written, performed, and edited by Sean Dravick. A special thank you to the audio drama series The Night Books, whose format was the inspiration for this episode. If you want to ask Sinclair a question or get involved with the show, then email SinclairWantsToHelp at gmail.com, all lowercase, or ask him for an invitation to the Sinclair Wants to Help Discord server. Thank you for listening.